He shoots, he draws is sponsored by the Westcott Rapid Box Switch. Isn't it time you made the switch? Do it today at www.fjwestcott.com backslash switch. Hey guys, I'm Peter Hurley and you are listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glenn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to He Shoots, He Draws. It's Friday, we're back, it's another cracking episode. I'll tell you what, Glenn, we've got some we've got some serious quality to keep up here because <laughs> the guests we've been getting have, have been so good and today's was no exception at all. Absolutely. This was uh, an interview with Peter Hurley, as you'd have heard from the intro there to the start of this, uh, this particular episode. And we'd actually tried quite a while to get this one done and that was purely because... Of, of Peter being such a busy man and in demand and also the time zone difference and so on and so forth. But thankfully, we got it nailed tonight and I am absolutely over the moon because this was the this was exactly the chat I wanted us to have with Peter where it was we were trying to ask him questions that maybe he hadn't been asked before. And I think we actually did accomplish that. Yeah, and so we met Peter through Photoshop World. We kind of got to know him, know of him before we met him. And and really, we've only known like the last I don't know what six seven years of Peter Hurley, mm. um, become friends. And today was just really the opportunity for us to get him to to get to know him a little better. And I think he absolutely delivered in uh, spadefuls. Yeah, it was it was really interesting because one of the things that I know you asked him was to do with the modelling and how has that kind of helped with his particular photography. Uh, and I, I thought it was really interesting the way he kind of talked about that, especially how his introduction to modelling came from the photographer Bruce Weber and how he managed to get Peter relaxed so he didn't actually feel so self-conscious in front of the camera. Yeah. So I'm kind of hoping that from this episode, people don't think this is uh, just a regular kind of chat with Peter. This is There's some really good, really good information here for folks who are portrait photographers in particular on how to help people be their best the other side of the camera, how to get them to feel relaxed. And, uh, yeah, just absolutely brilliant. Really, really good stuff. And, of course, we had to do the getting to know you bit as well. Yeah, that's always good. And it's nice because someone like Peter, like anything, when you go back to the point that made you who you are, a lot of people sort of look at these photographers and think, like, this one magical day, they, like, walk into this white room and there's this expensive camera on the side and they just casually pick it up walk into a studio and just start shooting and it's all there and it's not always like that mm. you know and and it really surprised me his beginning when he talked about his confidence and his looks and how he felt that to see you know he, he talked about his school reunion which is really interesting that yeah. the man he is 30 years on i think is relevant to a lot of us so um before we give away all of the interview in the, in the <laughs> intro i'm gonna throw it over to you and let you do our regular intro yes let's just go get it started now then with the usual peter who are you well i would have to say that i am a photographer believe it or not <laughs> but who i really am i'm peter early i'm a i'm a headshot shooter out of new york city and i've been um taking pictures for 18 years and um you know i just feel like a guy lucky enough to have picked up a camera that's that's who i am Fantastic. Well, from from me and Dave, first of all, thank you so much for giving us the time for doing this. Yeah, I know it's not been uh, it's not been easy getting everybody together because you're a busy man. Um, but we've got loads of stuff we want to talk to you about. 
uh, and it is a very honest podcast. All right, so yeah. we can we can we can do bleeps and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> if you want to throw a few, you know, we can do all that. But there's loads of stuff I want to talk okay. about. Hopefully, like I said before we started recording, there'll be some things that you've never been asked about. So. Um, I think, Dave, you wanted to kick this one off, didn't you, about uh, what Peter's been up to recently? Yeah, so obviously the last couple of weeks you've been in Ireland and yeah. uh, obviously you've got the headshot crew that you've been running, which we will all come, in, uh, come into in the episode. And you were there for another reason, which was sailing, um, which was, I know, again, is something that kind of started in your past and uh, has never really gone away. And you were doing some sailing while you were out there. So did you go there for the sailing or the photography and then did the other one happened or did you know you were going to do both well what i've been trying to do so for those that don't know me or haven't followed my story which is probably most of the people listening to this um i am a, i was a sailor first so i trained for the olympics for 96 and 2000 and then in 2000 i picked up a camera and i left sailing by the wayside but my boat um is called the laser and when you turn 45, you become a master. So I, when I turned 45, I got back in shape. I was, I was shooting in my studio. I was out of shape. I pinched a nerve in my neck from making everybody stick their jawline out every day. I used to, I used to, had, to <laughs> had to get them to do this. And now I have to go do the opposite of this, which is pulling my neck straight back <laughs> instead of pushing it out. I know you guys are listening, so I'll try and explain that. But um, so I was a mess. I was... Um, you know, physically not in, not good. And the positions that we get, as most of us know, the positions that we get in as photographers, we fall, you know, it's like, you got to be careful. And that's another reason why I'm so adamant about everybody shooting on a tripod just to take the weight off our bodies. But at 45, I was 230 pounds and, um, the race was in July. It was January 1st. And I said, I'm going to lose all this weight to get back in the boat. To be competitive in the boat, you have to be 190 pounds or less. And wow. uh, I got to 185. I went to the world championships and I got second. And I was hooked. Wow. I was hooked. I was like, I'm hooked. I loved it. <laughs> so um, every year I go now and my goal is to win. But unfortunately, there's this aussie guy that is just a rocket ship and he's so good i'm sailing against him next week again he's just amazing he's a 14 14 time world champion and and last year i got second again and i was a point behind him going into the last race and it was who beat who and he beat me so i was close oh. um yeah, 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 yeah. but he's still an amazing guy so when it turned up on the schedule on that it was going to be in Ireland. First of all, I'm Irish. Half my blood comes from the Irish uh, island of Ireland. Um, so I, and I had never been. So I was like, I'm definitely going to go. Um, and what I've been trying to do since I love the sailing so much, and I feel fortunate to have a camera and be able to make my living uh, wherever I am. And the fact that I started teaching this stuff, which has been really helpful because I've got this worldwide, the headshot crew is now worldwide and I'm able to do workshops all over the world. So I travel and I, wherever I sail, I try and set up a workshop to pay for the sailing um, because I'm not sponsored. I'm not funded. It's a hobby. You don't get anything for getting second in the world, except for, you know, some, <laughs> I get some personal uh, goal achievement done. Um, so I'm spending my money to go sailing. I've got a family in New York. I've got a studio that sits here when I'm not here. So I try and, you know, get these workshops going everywhere I go. I'm attempting. So I just set up my schedule for 2019 and I decided that every workshop, I will, I'm going to try and schedule every workshop around a race. And it's worked out for most of them. 
So we'll see if it works. It still puts a strain on my shooting because I'm not in the studio in New York and I'm not building my business because I've got to feed this, uh, this hobby that I'm just addicted to. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that's, that's my thing. You're feeding the desire to beat the Australian guy and you yeah. won't rest until you do. <laughs> You're like, no, exactly. 86 year old. I'm still taking you down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So obviously there's the, the sailing side of it. We will no doubt talk about that a little bit in a short while, but the, the three of us, we've kind of known each other through the connections with uh, teaching at Photoshop World and what have you. That's how we kind of got to know each other. And, of course, we've, we've met up outside of that when you've been in London and, you know, we, you know, we're friends. but And we kind of know you, but we don't really know you. And so I want to kind of, like, take you back to the Peter pre-modeling, because we want to talk about that as well. What... Who was the very young Peter? You know, what's what's the family like? Where did you grow up? What you know, what were your plans when you were at school? When you were thinking, right, when I leave school, I'm going to be this. Was it always modelling or or what? I want to know more about you. Wow, sure. Um, well, I grew up in New Jersey, and I have two brothers. I'm the middle of three. Um, my older brother is less than a year older than me by like three days. My younger brother is about two and a half years younger than me, and um. You know, we grew up and, you know, my older brother was the smart overachiever guy. Uh, my younger brother was the troublemaker and I was kind of middle of the road. Um, so there wasn't really any any great shakes. You know, the thing is, is that um, I look back at my years in high school. Actually, I'm going to my 30th reunion. It's right after PPE and they're having the 30th reunion that night and I'm going and I and I Brilliant. thought about it and I was like, OK, 30 years, I'm going to go see these people that I went to high school with. And if I look back on who I was then and who I am now, I am freaking proud of the guy I am now. Like I can't I'm excited to walk in there as the guy I am with what I've done yeah. um, and accomplished in my life. And it's all because of a camera. So I get like goosebumps. About So I told them, I'm going to shoot everybody. So we're setting up the... I'm going to try not to shoot the whole time. I'm bringing some photographers with me. But we're going to shoot yeah. everybody. Whoever's there, I want to shoot them. And we're going to we're gonna look at their yearbook photo and try and recreate it. The oh, same wow. expression, same position That's and everything. We'll it. see. I don't know how much time I'll have. But uh, we're going to try and do it. But I'm proud to be able to go back and do that. So in high school, I was kind of like... I, I, I wasn't... I was just so into sailing then because I grew up and started sailing at a very young age, but I started sailing in on the Jersey Shore. So when I went to high school, uh, the boat was at the shore and I was in high school and I never, so I never did any sports. All I really wanted to do was sail. So all year long, I would just, I don't know, I was just kind of like this quiet. I was not the guy I am now. I, I was somewhat that, quiet. That's, that's exactly what I was going to ask you there, Peter. I wanted to ask you because you said I'm proud of the person I am now. Now, I was going to say, is that are you talking there about what you've achieved now or the person you are now? Is that person different? The Peter that we see and we know, how does that compare to the, the Peter at high school? What was your personality like then? Have you become this, you know, have, has your personality changed? Or? I think some of it's in there. I think everything grows from what's already within you. So I think it's all built in. It's just a matter of what comes out because you really can't change that much. If you know people like and you try to change them, they're not changing. You know, most yeah. people will not. If you try to change somebody that's close to you, it's not going to work. But if you watch yeah. them over time, there'll be subtle changes. I think one of the biggest changes in people is the area in where they find uh, passion or confidence. So, for instance, I'm passionate about the camera. I picked up the camera 
And then it allowed me to create a living, which I was able to raise a family, which made me successful, I guess, I guess you would say. So Mm -hmm. that gave me confidence, not only in my ability to take a photograph, but my ability to run a business, uh, confident that, that, um, I'm able to provide for my family in New York city, uh, proud that my, you know, my parents were like, when I went to college, they're like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just went to Boston university because they had a sailing team and then I quit. So I wasn't even sailing on the sailing team and I had no idea what I wanted to do, but my brother being the overachiever, successful guy was a finance guy. And my parents were like, you got to go work for him, go work for him. And they kept saying, I was like, and I was living with, so by the time I just, by when I graduated college, I didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. I had no clue. That's why I kind of, there's a a slight envy for these kids who really know what they want to do. And then there's this, Mm. this, how could you know when you're that young? And then there's like, well, I never knew, you know, and these people that go down this path that they knew, and then they get to whatever up there in age and they look back and they go, well, I really didn't know. Maybe I should have done something different. You know, I don't, I don't know. Some people get on their path and it is the right path. And some people have to find it. I was one of these guys wandering around trying to find it without a clue. But um, that summer after I graduated college, which I was on the five-year plan, not a smart guy, not smart, almost failed out. I went, I went to school and I got like a 1.5 or something. One, I don't know what it, what, what it equated to. One semester I almost failed out and they said, look, you, if you come back, we'll let you back, but you have to go to night school and you got to get like straight A's or something and or you got to get above a 3.0 or something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I got a 3.43 the next semester and they said, OK, now you can go to school, but you've got to take all these classes again. So you have to go on the five year plan that year uh, changed my life for a couple of reasons. I mean, it's amazing what timing does. It gave me an extra year in school, which was wonderful when you're in college. Always take that advantage of that, people, if you're listening. <laughs> you just want to party for a year. I think all I was doing was uh, coming in my own and in this big house with a bunch of guys and, and dating as many girls as I could and just having fun. But uh, <laughs> but I, 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 yeah, it was an awesome time. But uh, I graduated and now I'm a year behind all my friends. And I was like that we're in my, you know, really in my class because I, I ended up staying an extra year and I really didn't know what to do. So I got a job on the Jersey Shore selling boats at a at a boat dealer and he gave the boss gave me I said, can I have a week off to go do this race? And he's like, yeah, take the week off to go do the race. I went and did the race. I won. It was a national championship. The boat had wow. become an Olympic class that I sailed most of the time not that particular, another boat. And I was like, and a bunch of my friends were training for the Olympics. My dad had trained for the Olympics. And I said, Hey, I just graduated college. I I mean, I know I'm not, you know, one of the best laser sailors in the country, but I'm just won a national championship. You know, it's not completely out of the realm of things that I would actually go train for the Olympics. And I asked my dad, I said, can we do some fundraising or do, do I have any money to do this? And he had put some money aside for me. And he said, I'm going to allow you to use this chunk of change to do this. Plus, we're going to do some fundraising for you. So I got sponsored by DKNY. Um, I got an, an article that came out in the New York Times about this whole process. That's how I met Bruce Weber. I went I, I was in these polo ads and then the modeling started. 
but yeah, it, it, it just came out of nowhere. I think that this, um, thing that I've always done in my life, I kind of say it like, like I get thrown a bone and I chase it. Like I don't come up with things that I want to do. I get the, just, I don't, I go, I don't know what I want to do. And then something shows up in front of me. I go, I'm going to do that. And I just follow that and it's worked <laughs> and I'm going to just keep doing it because it keeps working. I was going to say, you, you say your dad trained for the Olympics sailing as well, I presume. Yeah. He was a North American champion in 1964 and I was training in 1990 for the 96 trials. Right. Cause I just wondered where the, like why you were drawn to boats so instantly when you've got like football and uh, all the other games around you, I, I was just intrigued to know why the boats were suddenly there. But if your dad was obviously sailing, that's where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. It came from that. And I played American football for a little bit and I broke my leg. So that did that. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> it never worked out after that. So the actual, the modeling side of it then came from, obviously we, you know, we've read the, uh, the bio that you've got on your website, the about me kind of thing. So yeah. the, the modeling itself, Again, came came by accident when you were sailing, and they needed somebody. Um, yeah, for some shots. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It just came out of the blue, and I remember telling them. So, I think Polo call. So, they told me, "Hey, Ralph Lauren's looking for real sailors for this ad campaign. We want to send you up to see this designer in their offices and see if he if he likes you." you know, maybe they'll use you. I said, okay. So I was home in New Jersey. I think I came into the city. They sent me over there. I met him. His name was Arnaldo Anaya Luca. He's a photographer now and he's really good. Um, and I met him and he said, Hey, you know, you would be good for this. I'm going to send you over to your, to our, uh, advertising agency, which was Carlson and partners at the time. And he sent me over to an art director over there named Richard Fibbs who is a photographer now and is amazing. So you guys should look these guys up. But I go in and I've never modeled before. And Richard takes a couple Polaroids of me and he says, take off your shirt. And I guess they're going to do an ad campaign. So they want to see what the physique's like. I was not in model shape. I was not, I was terrible. Probably like, ah, he's all right if we don't take his shirt off, you know. But um, anyway, so he took these Polaroids and I leave and that's it. And I think that's it. And then I think he calls me or his assistant called me and said, hey, we want to, uh, you to come to Miami to shoot this thing um, for polo. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be in Savannah. I'm training for the Olympics. You know, I don't know how I would get to my, they're like, don't worry about it. We'll fly you down to Miami, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, how many, we need you for three days. We're going to give you $300 a day, which was like, at the time, I don't think I'd ever made $300 in a day, but I was like, <laughs> I'm training for the Olympics. That's not enough. I don't want to do it. Click. And I was like, no. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> and then I'm like, this is crazy. Like I was, I would wear polo Ralph Lauren stuff all in high school. I was like the preppy guy. I would totally do it. And I was like, and I just hung up on them. I was like, I'm nuts. <laughs> and then, like a week goes by and I was like, and I, I can't believe this happened because I really did say no. Uh, a week goes by and the, this woman says, okay, I've got your plane tickets. And I was like, what do you mean you got my plane tickets? They're like, well, you're going to the shoot. It's these dates, blah, 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 blah. I've got your ticket. And I just want to give you all the information. I said, I said, no. And she goes, you did. She goes, why? I said, well, I wasn't, I didn't like, you know, it wasn't enough money for me to do it. And I was like, she goes, oh, well, they changed that. I was like, well, what'd they do? Well, you're getting $3,000. Is that enough? I was like, that's enough. Okay, I go. <laughs> I was like, all right. 
I think that's what it was. It was something like that. And I was like, I think it was that. And, uh, and then it changed my life. I met Bruce Weber. He took pictures of me. He was the nicest guy. And we became friends. And then we stayed in touch. And I got back to New York. He invited me out to dinner and hang out with him and stuff. And then we just, we just, uh, we hit it off. He took some pictures of me. I was able to get a modeling agency with his help. And then I started this modeling thing. And then after years, he's like, well, why don't you pick up a camera? I was like, I don't know. Why would I do that? He goes, get a camera. Just start taking some pictures for yourself. I was like, all right. So I did. That was <laughs> so it. when you get, okay, so looking at where you are now and, and the way you teach and the way you make people feel comfortable, when you were that model, having not grown up to be a model, how did you learn to pose? Because obviously, you know, I've seen pictures of you. You were a good-looking guy. You you were you were ripped. You had everything athletic. What do you mean he was ripped? He still is. No, but he said he went up to two hundred thirty <laughs> pounds and he's gone back again. I am but ripped again. I, mean, I ripped it at, up again. Yeah, at the time, you, you know, you had the physique, for, which is why they picked you up. But when you walk in that studio for the first time, and you're not a model. Where did you start? You know, it's amazing. I think I think that this goes to the to the one of the questions I get asked most is is um, one of one of the questions I do get is how much did the modeling help you with the photography? You know, so it's the same thing is saying, you know, how much when you're a model, how much is it affected by your relationship with the photographer? It's just it's it's just flipping the coin. And the thing was, is that I, so you're, you're Dave, you hit the nail on the head. I didn't know what I was doing. I was thrust into this like world and being in front of cameras for a lot of people, obviously everybody listening to this has a different opinion about it, about themselves, but it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. And some people are amazing. And um, I'm telling you that if it's uncomfortable for you, and or it's uncomfortable for somebody that there's a misconception models know what they're doing first of all because i was a model, i didn't know what I'm, I'm doing i had no clue what i was doing and i was only as good as the photographer but it's also the relationship with the photographer so if you're a disaster in front of a camera and you get really nervous and the photographer has an amazing connection with you you're going to get amazing pictures because the photographer is going to chill you out well guess what it's our job to do that so we've got to do that behind the scenes. I just came from a, a shoot. I also teach, I, I teach about this. I'm doing this thing and, and I'm calling, I'm doing a talk at BNH. I'm calling it the cross process. And because what I believe is, I'm always playing off photography terms, but I believe as photographers, you have to be, if you're going to be a portrait photographer, you have to be part technician, but you have to be a director. So you're crossing the two in between and you're doing it the entire shoot. So I had a guy yesterday uh, who's a celebrity. He's a, he's a Broadway star. He's been on a bunch of TV shows. I've shot him since 2003. He's one of my buddies. Calls me, he goes, I did a new album. I need a cover. I shot his last cover. I'm like, all right, I'm in. Let's go. We go up. He's like, I need a fireplace. It's a Christmas album. I'm like, all right, let's go. We got to get a fireplace. I don't know if you watched my Instagram stories yesterday, but I got a fireplace. So I go up there. I got a fireplace. <laughs> now I got a tiny New York apartment with a fireplace with like all these lights on that are warm. And I brought my flex kit and my pro photos, which are daylight. And I'm going, shit. <laughs> so immediately what's happening meanwhile canon gave me the eos r eos r and i want to and i want to shoot it so now i've got a camera that won't tether because it only goes into dpp the raw files can't be read by anything and i'm like i got i want to shoot this so i'm excited to shoot it so i'm being technical 
Uh, I got a fireplace. I got weird lights. The right, the lights I have, I have no gels for. So now I've got, and I'm like, and I got my buddy in front of me and I've got to do this cross processing of directing my subject, making him feel like I got everything under control. Everything's fine. I'm completely on top of it while I'm going, (laughs) Oh shit. There's like, like I started to light them with a fixture that was there. I was like, this is the, this is crazy. We got the shots, but it was like, it was tough. So if he was a, a person who hadn't worked with me before, who we didn't have this comfort level, um, it could have gone south fast. It would have been a mess. And that's what happened on shoots with me when I first started modeling. And you can see it when I was a model and, and, and I was like with Bruce, for instance, there was no, I didn't feel like I was modeling. I just felt like he was taking pictures. He would, he just made me feel, he's just put you into this. It's why he's so the best in the world of what he does. I mean, he puts you into this almost fantasy land where you're just hanging out, chilling. And he's just taking pictures and making you think about like, like he asked me about myself, you know, he was on, there was a polo shoot. There were, I mean, Tyson Beckford sitting next to me and Bridget Hall and all these supermodels. And then there's me and Bruce takes me out in a boat and puts, I, I'm, and he, and he's just asking me about myself and he was just cool. And I, and he put my guard down while he was taking pictures and he was so chill. And now I was, I was like amazing. I learned so much for it. Nobody can be him. Like each, yeah. everybody listening to this, you can only be you. So you, I can only teach the way I know to do it. But what I teach people is that inside you is this ability to connect that you're unaware of, or you are aware of, you have to just, um, you know, broaden it. So today I, well, I just had the best shoot of my life. You guys caught me at a good time. <laughs> what I was going to say was, obviously, Bruce there is his way of getting you relaxed. You've, you've developed a relationship with him so that when you were in front of his camera, it was just it was just comfortable. Now, taking what you had there, that experience with Bruce, and then bringing that now into your own photography, you, obviously, you and Bruce are very different people. But... When you're going to photograph someone, let's say you, let's say we didn't know each other, and I contacted you to say I wanted a headshot doing and whatever. What would be your process to get me relaxed? Would we have met before the photo shoot? Do you think that's important, or would it be something just the way that you are um, on the day of the shoot? Because I, you know, I've seen the way that you, you, you know, you have fun. You get people relaxed by having fun, right? Yeah. But yeah. would you would you want to meet me beforehand or what? What's your process? Well, I used to think I needed to meet everybody beforehand. I also used to think I need I needed like an hour to warm people up. Like I would not shoot my sessions for less than an hour. It would just just because I just knew mostly because I was shooting actors and they're nuts and they need a lot of pictures anyway. So I would always get the best ones after an hour. Well, what I do now, everything changed. My whole philosophy on it changed because I think as you get better. Um, with that and obviously that's a huge port part of of portraiture i mean you're doing these amazing pictures that i love of everybody in their in their army gear right you're doing you're getting the connection with them too i just love that series that you're doing it's amazing um so you've got to go in with that connection but that isn't necessarily a smiley thing that you're looking for you're looking for an intensity and a and a and a you know a vibe from them so it's a different thing for each Everything that you go for is different. For commercial headshot photography, the people have to look nice. They have to look like they're pleasant people. They're not going to look like they're having a bad day. I mean, it's their brand. You know, they're going to look approachable. I have this thing I call it confidence coupled with approachability. 
That's what I'm going for. So now in the first shot, and I usually get it in the first shot. You know, I, I'm trying to, I know my light's good. I know technically it's good. I know everything's good. All I have to do is direct a little bit and then wait for that moment. And I hit the shutter and I get it. But that wasn't the case in, in years past. I used to think I had to meet with the people. It would take the edge off. I would do this. And then I realized the people are still coming in as anxious as they're going to come in. It's really how chill you are, whether they, you know, listen to the voice in their head about them freaking out or they listen to you. If you're totally chill, it just doesn't. It's the, it's the same thing when I went into this shoot today. I'll just mention it. I was anxious. You know, I was fired up. I get the adrenaline going. I, I like shooting uh, celebrities. I like shooting known people. I like shooting anybody that comes in off the street that has a face. I love faces. I love the human face. It's my favorite thing to look at. If you catch me walking down the street, you'll see me scanning every face. If you put me on a subway, I get a little creepy checking everybody out. You know, it's like <laughs> Terminator. It's my thing. It's like radar. It's, look at this guy. Look at this guy. It's just what I do. But um, the connection is what is what you're going to get. So today I walked into a shoot that's a huge deal for me. It's my best client. Uh, I'm shooting a, a, a bunch of chefs for a cookbook. And this guy, his name's Marcus Samuelson. And he's one of the most famous chefs in the world. He's got restaurants all over the world. He's uh, one of the best looking chefs you've ever seen. He's amazing in front of the camera. He's got the model. His, my shot his wife with his uh, son and they're all beautiful, beautiful family. And, um, and going into it, I think every photographer has this, where we get this, um, this, there's an unknown of the outcome of the shot. We're creators, we're creating Mm -hmm. the shot, but we don't have it going in. I have it now. Like now I'm, I'm like jumping up and down. I'm freaking out that the, the first, the first shot I had of him, the exposure was a little dark. The second shot was probably one of my favorite headshots I've ever taken the second frame and um, just be partially because it's him, but it's also a powerful shot. um, And it happens. I met him in his restaurant. I set up in the basement. He walked down and I know how I've behaved in the past with celebrities. I take a back seat to that. Like I just kind of don't act like myself. I kind of just become a timid, shy version of myself. And I tiptoe around. I'm on his turf in his restaurant. And I just started doing this thing I call gas ladding. Um, and when something bugs me, I say to myself, give a shit less about that, Peter. I call it gas ladding because it's give a shit less about that. <laughs> um, and I started doing it on my shoots and I was listening to this voice that wants these shots so badly and this to be good because I'm shooting for this client that's been so good to me. And I've got a celebrity and he's photographed all the time. He's always on TV. There's been a gazillion. Every picture of him that I saw, uh, he's got this amazing smile. And I thought, wait a minute. Now I have to, the the client's going to want his amazing smile. How am I going to get his amazing smile? Like maybe, can I get his amazing smile? Should I go for the amazing smile? Anyway, I, um, I got the amazing smile, but I was concerned about getting the amazing smile. So it's all about connection. So I meet him and instantly I had that gas lad attitude. I was like, I'm going to give shit let us about this. I'm just going to be myself and I'm just going to try <laughs> and connect with them the way I did. And the only thing that I had in my mind that I was going to try and connect with them with 
was that I've eaten at his restaurants a lot. And I, and I, and I said to him, so I started to set up the shoot. I got him in there and there's this ice breaking period with anybody. I think anybody out there, you know, when you first meet somebody, you know, I mean, I think if I remember the time we first met, we had already been speaking online. I, I believe, Glenn, I was already talking to you. So when I think yeah. I, yes, by the time yeah. we first met, yeah. it was an excite. I was excited to like shake your hand or I gave you a hug or whatever. I was just excited. It was the same thing. I think, I think I've still got the screen grab of when you liked to pitch. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. And now it's a big deal. Every time we see each other, I'm excited, you know? So there's that moment when you meet somebody and then that sussing out of how this relationship is going to go. And I think as you develop as a person, as a person or as a photographer, or as a director or whatever you want to say, I think when you become come into your own, you realize that we're all people that the people, the person's going to respond to you if you act like a normal person, you know? So what, what, you know, I mean, I'm not going to start talking about the weather, but I'm going to think about, you know, what I could say. So I got him in front of my camera. I act very professional. I know exactly what I want too. So the way I direct is very direct. Like I give them everything to do. So there's no, it's very clear. And then I get excited about my work. So when I take the first shot, but I, you know, I, I show my excitement. It comes to myself. So they just see me behaving like a excited person. Like, like I'm like, that's amazing. look at this thing. Unbelievable. Like, or whatever. And then I go back and I start shooting. So they, I don't know what goes on with them internally, but I would think that it's, it's feedback for them to understand that they're doing something great. And then we, we just, well, do, do, you know, do you know what people just, just putting in there just for a second. I remember, I remember yesterday I was watching your uh, Instagram live and no, it was yesterday the day before, it might've been two days ago. I was watching you and you, it was a live photo shoot in your studio and there's this guy there that you're directing. I think it was the first shoot you were doing with the new yeah. Canon. And you were getting all excited the fact that you get the eye focus. You didn't have right. to refocus and recompose. It was like, yes. But what I, what I found interesting about watching you do the shoot was the fact that you can see when you get it and you step away from the camera and like, yes, got it. And then you get the person to come around and look yeah. at it as well. There are so many people that won't yeah. do that just in case they get this kind of like, oh, no, I don't look, like how I look. And that can ruin the shoot. But you, I see you often getting people around. Look at this! Yeah. Look at this! Man, you yeah. look amazing. Yeah, it's that's the therapy. And it, if you're, it gives you're them that confidence, doesn't it? Well, it's a, it, you're opening a can of worms there because you don't know how they're going to behave, how they're going to react to their, themselves. And some people don't like that. But if I, confidence is infectious, so if I'm confident in what I'm doing, the person in front of the camera is going to be confident. So when I then I and you know what I else I did with with. Marcus, I mean, I wasn't trying to concoct a, I was trying to make sure I was successful and that I connected with him and we had a good time and we got good pictures and he gave me his time. And with celebrities, you don't know what you're getting. Sometimes you have a, um, you know, a handler that tells you, you have X amount, you have three minutes, you know, or this, meanwhile, the celebrity's cool, but the handler's like, no, that's it. Cut it off. You know? So you're trying to connect, then you got to deal with, I shot Sophia Vergara, I had to deal with the handler. And I had to get the handler on my side. And Sophia was just kind of following. And it, it, it all worked out. But the, you're trying to develop this rapport so the person wants to be in front of your camera and not leave and give you the shots that you want. Yes. At the same time, when you feel that they want to leave because you've overshot it, which we all do, you have to get them the heck out of there so that they trust you that you got it and that you're not infringing upon their time. So 
when I got there, I was supposed to shoot him on a white background, my signature headshot setup. I was supposed to shoot him uh, outside and I was supposed to shoot his food. So I told the person in charge, I said, well, how much time does he have? And she said, we have from 930 to 1030. Um, I said, well, is he cooking the food? She goes, he doesn't need to be here when you shoot the food. I said, all right, so let's shoot him first. Usually I do the food first and then I shoot the chef. But I was like, if I only have an hour with him, I was like, and I don't know that I'm going to get the full hour. And I said, will he be willing to go outside? And she goes, I don't know. I said, well, they want him to go outside. And uh, I said, and he said, she was like, well, you're going to have to give him direction. Well, anyway, I meet Marcus. And I'm like, they want me to shoot you outside. He goes, yeah, we can go down the street to this thing. Let's walk a couple blocks this way. And I was like, right to where we had talked about that she wasn't sure if he wanted to go. He just took me. And I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) And then I was like, this is great. I didn't even have to. And then he went all the way to his, to his, uh, where he lived and his kid came out. I shot some pictures of him. So, um, is is this the one where I saw a picture on Instagram where it was pouring down with rain and you're kind of no on, that was another taking- chef yeah I've been doing a lot of chefs that was a that was a chef at this restaurant called Daniel in New York yeah I've been doing a lot of chefs so um, no this one was just today I just got off of it came into the studio and talking to you guys what happens when you get the opposite Peter because obviously we're talking about so many people being anxious I mean that Glenn knows that it's a famous story about I was helping Glenn and his model dropped out and he said to me you're gonna have to be my model and i said you can bleep this out i said F- off <laughs> and uh and glenn, glenn was i've got no other option you have to model and i didn't like i've got a what you know a fidgety eye and and just did not want to be photographed did it it was the first magazine cover you ever had and it was all right I was really nervous. Now, on the flip side of that, what happens or have you ever had this situation where someone strolled up in your studio? Almost like, you know, some people overcompensate when it's like, yeah, it's Pete Hurley, but he's no big deal. I'm I'm, a, I'm the star here. Do you get people who come in who are way too confident and that makes your job a little bit more difficult? It's funny because it's really false confidence because you're I modeled. So they they can they can't get it over on me because they'll be like, well, I'm a model. Let me just do my thing. And I'm like, no, I model and you're doing your five moves and your five moves suck. Then why don't I have to deprogram them <laughs> like you, I had a girl the other day and I was like, I can't deal with you. You know, I need to get what I want. They can add something to the plate. But if you can actually team up with them and get the get the posing down and then get some genuine things to happen. You're going to be way better off. Um, There are times I call it um, somebody owning it where they own the camera, um, where they get in front of the camera and it doesn't phase them. Marcus was like that today. So you don't want to get in those people's way. You want to follow let them run. You're just pressing the button like that, that stage of the game, if they're that good, giving you that much genuine and it, you can feel it if it's genuine instead of staged or proposed. This guy was like, had no qualms about being in front of a camera, was really good looking, had a great style. Like, and I was just following him. I was just running with him. And you want that. There, there's So there's people that will get in front of your camera and will lift your game. And there's people that will get in front of your, your camera and will hurt your game if you don't direct them. So most of the time, the people that lift your game, they'll just make you look better. And mostly people who are in front of cameras often um, will help if they're good at what they do. If they're, if they're those models who think they're models, maybe they got paid for a job once 
modeling or something, <laughs> then yeah. they overpose <laughs> and they don't. And you have to deprogram and then tell them like it's it, you know who it is? The models uh, on the trade show floors. Like when we get models on trade show right. floors, I never use them. I'm like, I don't want your model posy crap. Get out of here. I'm going to take some humans <laughs> from the audience and use them. Yes. So, you know, it's just a, it's a. Which, which is a lot more relatable as well, isn't it? When people are watching you, if you can pull somebody out of the audience and it's not somebody who's used to modeling, that's, that's great, isn't it? That looks even better. So, Peter, when it comes to the actual photography that you do, obviously your, your thing is you're, you're incredibly well known for being the headshot mm-hmm. guy. Now, when I first started out, I didn't know what I wanted to do. as a phot- I knew I wanted to do photography. I didn't know what photography I wanted to do. So I kind of went out there because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was told, go out and do everything, and you'll very soon find out what you don't want to do, which will leave what you should do. But what about you? Did you ever experience that, or was it something that you said, no, from day one, I know what I want to do? No, I think what it is is when you – and all of us have gone through this. We pick up a camera – and we love it. We love photography. And then we go, okay, wait a minute. Hold on. I can make a puck with this. Are you kidding me? This would be like bonus round. And I think what every goes through every photographer's mind, it's a confidence thing to char- actually charge. What am I, what could I possibly charge somebody for that I'm worth? Like, like is my art or what I'm creating really worth getting paid for? So what are the entry points for photographers you know some photographers start doing families they do pets they do you know some people start out doing weddings or trying to do weddings or they do their friends wedding and then they end up getting more wedding work or whatever um headshots are another one model shots are another one you know whatever um whatever you can do you know some people do product photography right off the, the bat but i think and i tell photographers this i mean when i picked up a camera I, I loved it, but I was trying to figure out how to stay out of a bar. I was bartending and I was like, I don't want to be a bartender anymore. I hate bartending and I hated it. I mean, I liked it for a while. I was in one of the hottest clubs in New York. It was fun. Uh, I was seeing cool people. I was getting like, it was, it was an awesome time. Um, and, but it <laughs> took its toll like 4am, you know, I'm done and I needed the income. So I was like, I need to figure out a way to make money. And, you know, my modeling was not enough to live in New York and my, and I was trying to act and I wasn't a very good actor. I sucked. So I wasn't getting very many acting jobs. Um, and it, and, and the camera just opened up all these doors for me. So when I picked, when I started with it and I bought one, it was, all right, I'll, I'll, I would love to, I'd love to go back and see what I first got paid for in my first jobs. But I just decided I was going to shoot anything that would give me uh, money for doing it anything i was like i'll do anything i'll shoot anything what do you got and um so i did weddings i remember i I was i don't know how i got wedding work because i didn't know what i was doing i started shooting my models that were friends that were in the agency for free but film back then cost money i was like just pay for the film start paying for the film if so i started charging because they just had to pay me for the film because i didn't want to lose money so it was easier than digital, like digital to start with this. You got a good excuse. I got to pay for this. You got to, you know, with digital, they think now it's all free. You shouldn't get paid. So I think digital 
people that shoot digital wait longer to get paid than when the one than other people that were shooting film because film you didn't have mm-hmm. a choice i'm not laying money out for this you've got to pay for this film <laughs> and then it just went okay now you're paying for film why don't i just i think it was like 20 bucks a roll i would charge them and i was like i'm gonna charge you 30 bucks a roll so i make 10 bucks now i'm gonna charge 40 bucks a roll and then it started to turn into something um my first job commercially was pairing shooting a pair of shoes for reebok I was like, I'm shooting shoes. I was shooting sneakers in a in a in my apartment with natural light sneakers. And I got I got I, that year I shot. I, I the story goes like this. So my friend was an art uh, buyer at an ad agency, which I was lucky. She heard I picked up a camera, and she was just being supportive. I think I I don't know if she saw talent. I guess she saw something because she just was like, all right. I'm going to give you a job. You're going to shoot these, these sneakers. I was like, she goes, we got a photo. They weren't on the shoot when they did the shoot and we got to Photoshop them into the ad. I was like, okay. So I put the sneakers there and I freaked out. I remember calling Bruce. I was like, Bruce, I got my first job. I'm freaking out. I got to shoot some sneakers. He's like, you'll do fine. Just shoot the sneakers." So I was like, okay. So I put the sneakers down. I put a, I had a window behind me. I shot them on Tri-X in black and white on a, on a gray background. And I sent them the file and this was like July of 2000. And I got my first professional camera in June of 2000. And, um, and between July of 2000 and December of 2000, uh, she gave me 10 pairs of sneakers to shoot. And I did not negotiate a rate with her, but she was my friend and she knew what the budget was. So she said, don't worry about it. I'm just going to take care of everything. I'm going to pay you $3,000 for every pair of shoes you shoot. So in the first six months of wow. business, I, I maybe it was a year. I don't, I don't remember offhand, but I know I shot 10 pairs of, of sneakers for Reebok and uh, it was amazing. It, it, and everything that I, all that money I used to buy, I bought my first pro photo lighting, which was an acute two, 2400 2A pack, which was like, huge for me back then i bought a bunch of modifiers um i used everything that she that i made with her to kind of usually to fund the 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 gear addiction right i think now is a good time to do the segment we introduced into this podcast getting to know you getting to know all about all right, Peter, so this segment then, this is called Getting to Know You, and we're going to throw 10 statements at you. should take maybe 30 seconds, no more. And we want to just hear, keeping it fairly clean, the first thing that comes into your head. So, Dave, I'll start off with number one. Let's just get the timer going now. And the first word, sailing. Ah, oh, I love it. My life revolves around a boat. Okay, next one, criticism. It's hit you hard. Westcott. Oh my gosh, uh, I love these guys too. Changed my life. I mean, I mean, these guys are just like just amazing to be able to work with photographers and create a product that uh, that has my name on it. It's just amazing. People with a gap in their teeth. A diatomus. I love it. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. My daughter had it, and I hoped it didn't close, and then it closed, and I was upset. Family. Uh, it's life in general. It's like what we're all here, what we're all about. So I have this, uh, you know, it's why we are all, we're doing it all. I mean, it's why we're doing it. New York. That's my city. 
I was afraid of it for years. I grew up a half hour outside. You wouldn't get me near it. And I love it. I mean, I don't, we've thought about ever leaving and I just, this is my city. This is where I'm, uh, I'm rooted. So I love it. Here's one that Dave suggested. Aftershave. Aftershave. Uh, not, not for me. Not my <laughs> cup of tea. Not something that I will... It, it takes up too much time in my day to slap that on my face, I think. Long and curly or short and tidy? Short and tidy. Prime or Zoom? Oh, oh man. It was always prime. <laughs> it's been a... It's been a... Uh, it's been... I'm going Zoom now. I don't know. I was always prime. I'm going Zoom. Okay. And the final one, TED Talks. I I think, I mean, for me, I always wanted to be a speaker. I never thought I would get invited to do something like that. And to be invited to that is like, you're at the top of the game. I think it's like the top of the heap. And I think, and I think there's so much respect for people that have done them. So I, I value my Ted talk. Um, and it was one of the hard, the hardest talks that I've done. All right. So let's, let's call it a day on who, um, who do you, was it? Getting to know you. You've got the name my own competition. Yeah. Then. Right. Let's talk about the TED Talk because I actually saw that and there was one part of it. If you're happy to talk yeah. about this, Pia, there was one part where you actually got quite emotional. Yeah. And that was – can you explain what that was? I think it was to do with people who don't have a good opinion of themselves. Is yeah. Right? I. So I'm trying to flush this out because I'm trying to do a talk on this that, that dives into it more. I was working with a psychologist at the time and we were doing this amazing work, working with people, really discovering – what hits them when they when they get in front of a camera and we've all had people if you shoot portraits you've all had people in front of the camera that that just can't handle being there at times and um my thing is that what is it that that is bugging them and and getting somebody to verbalize that is so difficult so it's all based on a bunch of theories that i have and and there's i'm digging further into it but it's essentially this to me uh and i think part of our whatever this thing called life is uh, part of our plight or why we're here or what we're supposed to do. We're given a vessel to live in from the time we're born till, till we, till we go. Uh, and, and that's our body. And we don't have a, it's one of the things we have a lot of choices in life. This is one thing you don't get to choose. Um, so whatever it is, whatever you have, whatever you've been giving is what you have from birth to death. Um, what you end up doing with it is is up to you. And obviously some people let it go and some people decide so much that they don't like what they see when they look in the mirror that they need to change it drastically by going in and invasively doing something. Um, others, you know, get in shape or get out of shape or, you know, maybe some people, it, it, the thing is, is that it's constantly changing. So because of the aging process, so everybody feels different about themselves at every different age, every different weight, every different, you know, experience. You're going to feel maybe more pressure in high school than you do in college or than you do in the workforce about the way you look. Or maybe you're over it and, you know, you get over it and, and you have a mid, uh, middle age crisis or whatever. And you're just like, fuck it all. I'm good. <laughs> like, you know, um, but, you know, it's like it changes over the course of our lives. I'm certainly don't feel the way uh, the way I feel about my physical presence right now compared to the way I felt about it in high school is totally different. I wasn't very confident in my, the way I looked or anything or and you probably put me in front of a camera and I probably freaked out. I mean, um, you know, and it changes over time. So I want to go in and, and I'm working work on developing that talk a little bit more and really trying to figure out and pinpoint 
uh, trigger points for people because I've never had a, a 10 year old walk in my studio and go, Peter, you know, I wish I'd lost the 10 pounds. You know, I, I never did. They just don't like, where does it happen? So you get to the 15 year old and then it, it's game on. You know, I have twin 15 year olds now and there's stuff going on that I just can't, you know, believe. Like I'm big on eyebrows and I'll she's talking about her eyebrows. I'm like, don't touch your eyebrows. You're not allowed to pluck those eyebrows. Those eyebrows are nice, but I'm into big bushy eyebrows. It's hot right now, eyebrows. And everybody's doing the painting on the eyebrows thing. And I can't, somebody walks in the studio with that. I can't put them in my portfolio. It's killing me. So stuff like that you know it changes over time so where do we get it where do we change where does it change for us and when i think it's when we're looking for a significant other and we have to be attractive to other people um that we start to look at ourselves differently i guess um i've also never had somebody walk in the studio and say these are some of the things that i say when i'm on stage because it's funny but it's part of my shtick but it's true i've never had somebody say peter this is your lucky day my skin is glowing my hair perfect <laughs> like this is amazing i'm in the best shape you're gonna it's gonna be easy for you you've never had anybody do that they just don't do that because we live in a fault-based society i got this from that um psychologist i was working with dr anna Rowley. She's, we live in a fault-based society so we see our faults first so it's very strange it becomes strange for us to discuss the things that we do like about ourselves because people see that as cocky or they they would think it's weird to talk about yourself in a positive light. How strange is that? You know, it's like crazy. Mm, um, yeah. I've never had anybody yeah. walk in the studio and go, Peter, I know you're really good, but don't go all out today. Just pull back the throttle a little bit. You know, you don't have to give me your all. I don't deserve <laughs> it. I don't need it. You don't have to do it. Like nobody ever did that. Everybody who gets in front of my camera wants to look their best. Like when they wake up in the morning and hopefully everybody looks in the mirror and does something to suss themselves out and fix themselves before they go out in public and get stressed. And if I walk around the streets in New York, you will see people going out of their way to do things to look out there, whether it's style or whatever. I mean, whatever their awareness is of style. Some people yeah. don't have good style, but you can tell they're trying, you know, not every everybody's trying to put themselves together. Um and the funny thing is, is that our eyes look out like we're not we can't even see each other all ourselves all day. So like if you don't suss yourself out in the mirror in the morning and you just take off, there could be like problems. Like, I don't know what could be going on. Like you have to trust other people. I had like a, I ate a piece of cheese. I had this white like piece of cheese stuck on my lip and I was I was traveling in the airport and I was at the bar getting a getting a drink at the United Club and I put, the guy had a really weird, the bartender had this weird hair. It was like all brushed forward. I don't know what the hell was going on up there. And then he had this like curly cue <laughs> here. So I put my camera up like I was going to do an Instagram story, but I was acted like I was talking to my camera. And when I, and then I flipped it around to get him. And as I looked at my camera, it was pointed at me and I saw this cheese on my lip. And I was like, how long has that been there? That would have been there if nobody told me that would have sat there all day long. You know, I mean, I was like, what is that? Get that off of there. You know, people, you have to tell people about that stuff. You know I mean? I was like, but then I, I always find it awkward. If I, if I'm talking to somebody and you see something on the faces, I always feel awkward saying um you've got yeah. something there because then they feel embarrassed yeah, it's always it's like better do you for don't you you know it's better for them to <laughs> sort it out otherwise they'll walk around like that all day 
That's the biggest thing for me. Are talking, yeah, that's talking funny. when guys come in and they haven't they haven't manicured their nose hairs. I'm like, look, I, I'm shooting a headshot of you, and your nose hairs are on fire. They're just blasting out of there like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I gotta tell them where their personal bread. Like, who's gonna well, tell them if hair. I don't tell them? What about the ear hair? Why? Why? What, what happened there? I always remember Billy Billy Connolly, the actor. Sorry, the comedian. He was. I remember him saying in this one sketch. He says, "I'm getting, getting hair growing in all these places. The older I get, it seems to grow in weird places. What on earth is going to happen to me that I need ear hair for? Do you know? What I mean? It's like, where's that come from? Home over. <laughs> exactly. We got to take care of it. So, oh, Peter, there's, there's there's one thing I wanted to ask you. Um, the the thing that's when people say your name is there's a word that comes with you that that you've uh, which is shebang okay and you've obviously you had uh this when the squinch came out there was a lot of coverage of that with the shebang thing what i wanted to ask you was you ended up um oh what do you call it you you copyrighted it didn't you no i ca- i trademarked squinch oh, well trade trademark squinch ah okay. but shebang is just i yell it when i get a good shot so i don't know it's hard to tell the copyright office or the trademark office like they they wanted they they said you have to use it in your work. How would you use this in your work? Yeah. I yell shebang at the top of my lungs when I get a good picture. That doesn't cut it with the trademark. I don't think that it has to be a technique. Right. So squinching's a technique so I could trademark that. Okay, so with the squinch then, have you since you've trademarked it, have you had cause to like enforce that? Uh, well, other photographers are saying you should enforce it here. You should enforce it there. But no, I mean, I'm not. I, I trademarked it because people were using it without. There's two things that I did find that they were using it without using without giving me credit. I try and give credit to where credits do. If I learn something and I use something and I teach somebody something and I'm, I'm utilizing, I always mention the person like I just did with dr anna roley i was like i was saying yeah, i yeah. got it from her stuff like that i always say where i get this stuff from so i just expect that in return and when i don't see it i'm like okay well you know so it caused me uh enough alarm that i trademarked it so if i see it again the person will get a nice note for me saying hey just you know just mention me i mean i mean i did it was a big epiphany for me and the fact that it took off like that and now that I got a trademark on it means something. So, um, yeah, I just want recognition that I that I discovered this thing, which is which is really cool to me. Yeah, and this, and with the shebang thing. So, what made me laugh about it was because you shout it, and I know I, I when I listen to a lot of podcasts where comedians have catchphrases or t- guys on TV shows they're walking down the street and obviously people shouting, you, you know, that their catchphrase at them. I always just had this 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 funny thing of. You're just sitting there having a quiet moment, like with a cup of coffee, and somebody spots you, and they just walk in and on your blind side and just go shabang yeah. and scares the crap out of you. <laughs> and there's a point where you just think, for what, like one moment in one day, it's like, why did I ever say right, that right out loud? <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, you know what's happened? It's happened like that. Like I've had, I was, uh, I was on my bike. And I was going in New York and I was riding downtown and I rode past a cop and the cop yelled, shebang! And so I'm like, I'm like oh, shit. 
And I slam on the brakes and I go back. I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, I'm a big fan of yours. I take pictures on the side. I was really like, awesome. oh my gosh. But now, it, yeah. <laughs> but then I, well, I tried to tone it down. I really don't say it as much as people think I say it. Like, I think I yelled it once or twice today, maybe because I got so excited about the work I was doing. But I kind of toned it down over the years. So I'm not used to saying it as much. So I go to these trade shows where they're used to me saying it and people yell shebang at me all the time. And then I've had people say, you can't stop that. You're stuck with it. You can't stop. Yeah. Don't stop mm. that. You're the shebang guy. You got to yell <laughs> shebang and you got to do. I was like, okay, so I'll yell shebang. So, you know, I mean, I like it. I like the fact that I like what it stands for. I, I mean, for me, yeah, yeah, when yeah. I look at a picture like I did it today, I got emotional about the picture that I took. I yell shebang. Like I'm like, shebang. Yes. And that's that's yeah. really what it is. So I don't care what word it is for anybody else. I'm like, just when you are an artist and you do it, you should feel something and that adrenaline should come out verbally maybe. And then whatever word that is for you, that's the word. All right. So there is, I'm conscious that we're kind of been talking for a while when you're a busy man, but there is something that we have to ask everybody. It's become a bit of a ritual uh, during these interviews, Pierre. Um, Who's your favorite? Glenn or Dave. (laughs) Glenn or Dave, yeah. And it's, um, and it's just that the loves and the loathes. So when I say to you, what do you love about this industry? What do you love about what you do? What's the first thing that comes into your mind about what you really love about this whole thing? Uh, I love that. I have a quote that I say that I think you can change someone's perception of themselves with one click of the shutter. I, I love that. I love the fact that I love when a corporation sends me a bunch of people and they don't have any clue what a good picture is and they get in front of my camera and I coach them a little bit and they look at the picture and they're going, wow, unbelievable. I didn't expect that. I thought I was going to the dentist and I got this. Uh, my, my kids, um, go to school at this high school and I go and photograph all the teachers. I volunteered to photograph the teachers. So they set me up in their theater I set up my kit and the teachers come down and I photograph them all. All the teachers get told is that, uh, one of the parents is going to take your picture today. That's it. So they come and they get in front of my camera and they have no, they, they, they don't do research. They don't know, you know, they just know a parent is coming to take a picture. And I remember this one guy got in there and I shot him and I, and he said, is this, what is this for? I said, it's just for you guys to use or whatever. And I started shooting. He's like, okay, all right, I'll do it. And he gets in there. I start shooting. And he looks, and then I shoot tethered. So I say, here, look at these. And he goes, uh, um, <laughs> do, do we get to keep these? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you get to keep them. He goes, wow. Oh, I didn't know. Wow. I said, yeah, I said, this is what I do for a living. So it's cool. And then he goes, how do I get it onto my Tinder? Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) It's cool. I mean, that's my love. My love is that that we can actually, you know, make people feel good because of something we did. Cool. All right. So on the flip side of that, then, and this isn't asked in a to get a negative out of you at all. It's more a case of what would you change? Get a positive out of negative. Yeah. It's, it's not the loathes, but what what is it about the whole industry and what you do that you kind of you're not so keen on? You'd love to see you done differently, or you'd like to change? Uh that's a tough one. I'm like, I'll give you an example. A lot of people. Some people mention social media. They feel that. Social media is become something that they feel they have to do as opposed to something they want yeah. to do. And obviously, social media is a is a big thing of what you do because I'm always watching your Instagram stories and stuff. So, 
It's that kind of thing. Generally, I think I've about, I've I done my best to stay out of it. But the thing that I don't like are the haters and stuff like those people, the, the trolls and the people that, you know, if you're especially like, you know, if you're putting a picture out there and people start talking about it or the people that get overly technical about gear and stuff like that. And I have this rule in the headshot crew that it's a it's a AFZ. Um, and I adhere to that strictly. AFZ stands for asshole free zone. Uh, so, so we keep assholes out and I don't like assholes. Like I'm not an asshole. I don't think, uh, I try not to be, I'm sure I've been an asshole at times, but like people that, you know, are in this industry, it's a collaborative effort most of the time, because I look at it like this. And I think that a lot of people look at it like this, when you're building your business or taking pictures or doing a portraits, I mean, if you have an assistant, then it's you and an assistant and that's about it. But when I was working, um, when I started in my dark room, I was alone, but then I moved in dark room into a, I started printing at a color dark room space that you rented here. And then I had another dark room space that was a rental space. And I was working with like-minded people next to him. And we were working on images and we were looking at our images together and it was really cool. And you just don't do that anymore. So to get photographers together, social media helps do that for us in a way that's very beneficial at the, in the same way you get people that, um, that are just there to complain and argue and you can see it in their posts and in their voice and the way they re- they speak and stuff. And I just want to stay away from that. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I, I haven't really, you know, I enjoy, I'm enjoying my Instagram. Um, and, and that's about what all I'm about these days. But, um, and I love what I do with the headshot crew, having everybody talking in there and stuff like that, but I monitor it and I make sure that, um, I go in and if somebody's going in a negative direction or a negative vibe, we go in and we nip it in the butt. Yeah. Well, I, one thing I want to say about you that I think you've achieved, which I think is magnificent and probably what a lot of photographers strive to do is, when people say, you know, there's the Annie Leibovitz look, I think now there's the Peter Hurley look. And I think that is something you, that is magnificent that you've achieved. That I know when I look through photographs, I instantly, I know it might be one of your headshot crew, but I know it's the Peter Hurley look. I know it's either you or one of your people. And when I can't tell the difference, that's when I know you've done a good job teaching your crew yeah, yeah, to yeah. do you proud. Yeah, and I think to, for, to have the Peter Hurley look, I think is, is fantastic. And it certainly it's something we talk about that when you get your style and you're known for your style and, and people recognize it in a world where like, you know, a billion photographs have been taken every day. I think that's one of the things what we respect about you is the fact that you have worked so hard and so dedicated to your, to your craft and you've shared it as well you share the background you share the, the the ups and the downs but at the end of the day your pictures completely you know nail it for you yeah i appreciate you saying that it means a lot to me i mean it's hard when you're going out there and you're you know i had my blinders on i was in my studio shooting away not i didn't want to teach anybody what i was doing i didn't want to show anybody i was afraid to show anybody and then when i decided to start teaching it opened up a whole new world to me because it allowed me to spread my wings and like you start to travel more and start to um, have another source of income. So I didn't have to have a person in front of my camera that I was shooting every day, which, which, which is, is great because now I can become more artsy or whatever with whatever I'm doing, but seeing the, the look progress to being totally worldwide. Most people say, well, don't you care that that person's copying you? And I was like, 
you know, I, I put it out there so that it would be copied. I taught everybody how to do it so it would be copied. I'm at fault. If Why would I care? I can't. Then I just fault myself. My thing is that, and the, I've always felt like this, if I feel fortunate that I can make money with a camera and get out of the bar, then if I could do that for anybody else, then I did something. And I know that my recipe, I know that my recipe with hedgehog photography will make photographers money. And to give that away is all that it is. And that's what it's done. And I get more and more people making more and more money with headshot photography because I taught them that. Yeah, that's just, it's just awesome. And, and I always felt that if I, I, there's this saying that if you're not creating, you're disintegrating. So I always felt like I can teach this and teach everybody to do this the way, but if I'm not creating, then I'm not moving on from it. And that means I'm just disintegrating anyway. So it doesn't matter anyway. So it's actually the, it's the challenge. It lights a fire under your ass. You know, you're like, I, I love my look. I love my work. I can do that in my sleep. But I was like, what's my next look? Like, what's my next thing? And I'm, I'm, I, what's the next kind of thing that's going to, and it can't be, it's not going to be far off from what I'm doing, but I, there's going to be something and I'm, I'm searching for it right now and I'll find it. And if, and if I don't, everybody made money with this look. And like I, like you said, I love that it's recognizable and that people are doing it so well that you can't tell whether I did it or not. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And there's several of the, the headshot crew that I know. Uh, one, for example, Morris over in um, over in the Netherlands. Known really well. I see him constantly working hard producing that look. So, like you say, if you've if you've helped people to develop their own business, put some money in their pocket, which you clearly have, because his business is clearly doing really well, then good on you. Um, and I'm glad also that you mentioned there about what's the next thing, because that was one of the questions I had for you. But I am I am conscious of the time here. Plus, I would like to think that we'll get you back on here at some point. Oh, I love you guys. Uh, the minute that you said it, what did I say? I was like, why didn't you ask me sooner? Why are we not doing this? Well, I'm I'm glad we've done it now. And it's, um, again, it's, it's, it was challenging at first because you're a busy guy. There's obviously the time differences and stuff like that. But I have, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. But I do want definitely want to get you For back sure. on here. I've got a whole sheet of paper here. Loads of stuff I've not even oh, asked wow. you. Yes, but I'm going to save those. I'm going to save those okay. for next time. Um. But, but Peter, from me, uh, a huge thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to know you and be able to call you a friend. And I'm looking forward to the next time we get to get to hang out, whether that's in the USA or when you're back over this way. Uh, but just thank you so much for your time and for being so open and honest. I with love you. it. Yeah, and same here. I remember, the, I remember the first time I saw you at Photoshop World and I knew who you were. And I was a little bit, not intimidated in a bad way, but it's like, shit, there's Peter Hurley. Oh, I'm sat on the same table as him. Uh, and then like, I think Jeremy Cowart came in and sat next to you and chatted to you and got up. And I actually, I've got the photograph and I'll dig out. I actually got my phone out and did the whole pretending to look at something. And I took a picture of you across the table <laughs> just to post like, look at me. I'm not only at Photoshop World, I'm sat opposite Pete Hurley. And that was like the first time I saw you. It was like that. I, I respected your work, even though as a non-photographer, I knew who you were, the whole, you know, Photoshop world thing. But um, it's been a pleasure to become a friend. Yeah, and, awesome. you know, like Glenn says, when you like something or, you know, when you pop up Peter's live, it's nice to jump on and watch you 
doing your thing, even if you do embarrass Glyn when he's getting a coffee in the coffee shop. Oh, yeah, with the, can you see my balls oh, yeah. comment? As I, as I, <laughs> I've got my phone on loud. I'm in the queue there waiting in Costa Coffee, and this, can you see my balls? And I'm like, oh, man. But, uh, but no, it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you, Peter, and, and we enjoy every time, every single time we get to see you. It's always such a such. I a love seeing and... you guys too, and I like the fact that the pond feels smaller because we we stay in touch. So yes, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah. Cheers. Let's start recording. Recording. <clears throat> Go and back in the room. Let's just do a quick clap then on you. Yeah, one, two. Three. Get in there. Sweet. Like it. Okie doke. Right, so intro time. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've got 20 minutes to get this one right. <laughs> let's sit right with no prep. Let's yep. see if we can do this without the prep. Okay. Oh natural. <laughs> As nature intended. Right. Three, two. I've got to get that mission out. <laughs> Come on, man. Got, no, no, it's all right, because you're the one going to get me, get your, Is your mic all right? Because he's looked quite yeah. far away from that there. Okay, let's try him. Um, I think it's all right. I've got, got it all there. Yeah, okay, ready? Three, two, I can't one. see your face. All I can see is a microphone. That's probably a good thing. Then put it there. Yeah, yeah, that's better. Let's put it there. Yeah, there. All right, cool. Okay, three. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Then we just get this out of my system. Right. It's because I can see you. Let me just cover some of your face up. <laughs> right, okay. This is episode 41, isn't it? Yeah. All right. I'm not going to say that. I just want to know. Okay, three, two, one. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Why did I say hello, hello? What a dick. <laughs>